Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, back in March, Lauren and I went to a Sporting KC season opener. So they're having a big day today. I guess they're playing some tiebreaker or something this afternoon. Uh, but this was the season opener for this season. And Lauren works for Children's Mercy, so they were nice enough to give us tickets to this game. And if you've ever, never been, this is what it looks like on the inside. You get the blue seats with the lighter blue uh, sporting thing going on there. And then they've got, you know, blue flags on the field. And it's just a cool stadium. It's a cool field. And then uh, they, they pack out the north seating area uh, with you know, banners and flags and blue drums. And people are chanting the whole time. And it's full of people, you know, who even at home, they're yelling at the TV like that makes a difference, which I'm one of them. It absolutely does. It changes things. So okay, maybe you don't think so, but it does. And then there's just another shot of that, of the, the uh, that north area with all just all the blue people decked out in blue and this whole cauldron of all this stuff. And, and so Lauren and I are watching the game and we're getting into it. And this is a shot of, uh, oh, they've got blue fireworks too. I can't forget that. So season opener, you got to launch the fireworks and have the blue fireworks and the whole deal. But Lauren and I are watching the game and getting into it. And this is a shot of picture I took while we're at the game. And we're cheering and ooing and on. But I noticed that our cheering wasn't really synced up with the rest of the people at the stadium. And about 15 minutes in, I turned to Lauren and I said, man, there's a awful lot of New York City fans here. That's where we were playing at New York City. And uh, she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then a little bit later, there's a shot on goal and we're like, ooh, you know, but no one else is really, but then they're cheering at different times. And I said, man, you'd think that maybe for a season home opener, they could get more, uh, you know, Sporting KC fans out for that. You know, you'd think people would be more into what's going on here for a home opener. And then at the 20 minute mark, there's a score. Sporting KC, this is a goal. And Lauren and I celebrate and going crazy cheering. And I notice we're about the only ones cheering. And I look up at the scoreboard and we had been watching the game backwards. We had been watching the game as New York City fans because that guy in the blue kit does not play for Sporting KC. He plays for New York City. And the guy in the black kit, he plays for Sporting Kansas City. So Sporting has a blue stadium with blue seats and blue flags, and they're selling blue hoodies with blue logos and blue t-shirts and blue dog collars, for crying out loud. And they said, let's put the guys in a black kit for the game. And Lauren and I had been rooting for the wrong team. And I turned to her and said, we are never telling anyone about this (laughs) until today. Uh, Because perspective changes everything and you want to go into something with the right perspective and so tonight uh, when the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Cincinnati Bengals the Chiefs will be red on red on red I look it up before every game now just want to know who's wearing what 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 it's going to look like and who I'm rooting for Uh, today we're starting a brand new series on money but I'll tell you it's really all about perspective this series is really all about perspective how many would say that looking back over their life with the perspective they have now on their life, 
How many of you would say you've ever done something stupid with money and I'll be the first to put my hand up? Yeah, right? Look at all those hands. And for the people who didn't raise their hand, next series is one on lying, so that's just for you because everybody has done something stupid with money. Uh, So let me tell you where we're going with this series. Today's going to be the foundation and the heart of money. We're going to look at a godly perspective on money. And um, then throughout this series, we're going to get a little crazy and we're going to come up with a very different result um, than most of the people have in our world. Let's go to God's word today. Proverbs 22, 7. Let's read it out loud together. The borrower is servant to the lender. Now, I doubt many of you have that passage highlighted in your Bible, uh, but let's look into it. The Hebrew word translated as servant is the word abed, and it means, if you're, if you're taking notes, it means servant. It means a slave. It means in bondage, in bondage. The borrower is one who's in bondage to the person they owe money to. Now, most people don't go around saying, oh, I'm a slave to money. I'm in bondage. Most people don't say that, but what they, what they do say implies that truth. The, the things we do say are kind of really we say as much because we'll say, well, I'd love to get married to my girlfriend, but we just can't afford it. Or we'd love to have another kid, but we just can't afford it. We'd love to adopt a kid. We feel like God's laid it on our heart to adopt, but we just can't make that happen right now. We'd love for one of us to stay home uh, full time, but we just wouldn't be able to make that happen. And what we're saying is I'm in, I'm in bondage. Some people would say, I can't stand my job. I don't like my job. I'd love to be doing something else, but I can't afford to step out of where I am in here and start over over here. And what we're saying is I can't do what I'd prefer to do. I can't do what God, what I feel like God's leading me to do because I'm in bondage over here. I'm strapped. And what I often hear is, man, I'd really love to help some people in need. I'd love to go on a mission trip. I'd love to give offerings above my tithe, but I just can't do it. I can't afford to do it. And what they're saying is, I'm in bondage. I hear people say, I'd love to regularly be serving someone. I'd love to join a team where just every week I'm, I'm serving someone other than myself or my family, but there's just, that doesn't fit in right now. And what we're saying is we're in bondage. We can't do what we want to do because we're in bondage to this. And a lot of people in this room, a lot, a lot of us, we're a step ahead of a, we're a step ahead of debauchery. We're a step ahead of drunkenness. We're a step ahead of adultery. We're a step ahead of a lot of the things uh, in life that we would clearly call bondage. But, but money is just, it's, it sneaks in there. The perspective on money and the bondage it has is a sneaky one because it works its way into our lifestyle and all of a sudden we're not free to follow the spirit in our life. We're not, a free to, we're not free to follow God in our life and do what he's calling us to do. We're not free to leave a wake of generosity in our lives because of the bondage of our perspective. And my prayer is that God would just start a work in the people of Rockbrook Church today that would break the chain of bondage in our lives. I want to show you just some statistics that deal with bondage, Uh, the bondage of money we're experiencing. If you're taking notes, four out of 10 Americans don't have have enough money to cover a $400 emergency. We wonder why we're stressed out 
afraid. You know, America is not sleeping well. This may be one reason why. Let's talk about credit cards. For those carrying a balance, the average credit card debt is $15,000, actually greater than $15,000. Somebody say, wow. The average 21-year-old owes $12,000. Now, that's a wow stat by itself, but in only seven short years, by age 28, they owe $78,000. It's no wonder marriages struggle. It's no wonder there's so much tension. It's no no wonder people in their late 20s are leaving the church or just totally losing their focus on God. It's because they're in bondage. They've, They've moved their focus over to something else that doesn't allow them to focus on church or on their spiritual life or on God. The average number of U.S. households living paycheck to paycheck is upwards of 78%. That means if our church is average, well over half of us, if we lost our job or didn't get paid, we couldn't pay the house payment or the rent payment, and there's just no wonder there's so much tension. Now, maybe, maybe you're one who looks at those stats and says, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? But... I imagine that if I were to translate those statistics, could you imagine what would happen if I ran the church finances this way? Can you imagine if, if us as a staff and the, and the directors, if we ran the church finances like this? And, and if I had to stand up in a membership meeting and say, sorry, we could never get that AC fixed, but we didn't really have anything put away to handle an emergency like that. Or sorry, we're not really uh, helping any people in need, but we don't really have what it takes. Sorry we can't do weekend services this weekend because no one gave last weekend. You would say, what did you do with all the other weekends before that you would run me out of town? You would say, what kind of pastor would steward God's money this way? But the reality is we're all stewarding something that's been entrusted to us by God. And we can look at the church and say, well, it should do this and this and this, but then we do something different, and what we do is normal. What we do is normal, because normal in our culture is debt. Normal is student loan payments. Normal is car payments. Normal is fighting about money. Normal is not helping anyone else because of money. Normal is divorcing over money. Normal is bondage. And that's why I believe Christ followers are called not to be normal, but to be different. Okay, normal is not serving God in his church because of money. And that's why I believe with all my heart, we are not called to be normal. We're not called to conform to the pattern of this world. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the pattern. Don't just be another cookie cutter mold of the world. The world just wants to duplicate itself in another cookie cutter, another cookie cutter. Do not conform to that pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what we're going to do today because we're called to to be different. And some of you may be saying, whoa, slow down, preacher dude. Talking about church? You're talking about money in the church? Like, I invited a friend today. You're just confirming all of their suspicions that all you want to talk about is money. Like, should we really be talking about money in the church? Should we mix those things? Well, listen, money, money is one of the most visible measurements of the condition of your heart. If you don't think the church should talk about money ever, take that up with Jesus who about two-thirds of his parables, he uses money as an illustration. So they're not all about 
money, but he uses money to illustrate something about the kingdom of God or heaven or how salvation works or how God, how God works because money is a visual, visual measurement of an internal spiritual condition. And that's what we're trying to set free today. And, and honestly, we've gone too long without talking with this. We've gone two years without a, a series on, on money. And so we're going to talk in this series about, yes, we're going to talk about giving unapologetically. Even secular financial teachers talk about giving. I couldn't find one that didn't. They talk about giving, that that's good to have in your life. And so we're going to unapologetically talk about what God asks of us. And yes, we're going to do our, our year-end celebration offering, our Thanksgiving offering, where we bless the socks off of missionaries and people that do amazing work in, in the kingdom of God. We're going to further our ministry here. But this series, guys, this series is about your freedom. This series is about whether or not you want to be in bondage, and no one wants to be in bondage. This series is about God wanting to set you free because you can find freedom in Jesus' name. Because financial bondage, it stinks. It stinks. It's just a stinky way to do life. It's like watching a game as a New York City fan. I mean, of all fan bases, it's like, oh, get that off of me. You know, I don't want to, no, I want to root for Kansas City. I want to root for the right thing. We don't want to be in Bondage. We want to have the right perspective. So let's talk about what the Bible has to say about a perspective on money. Two te- there's two temptations. So when, we leave, when you leave here today, there's going to be two temptations of money. So it just never changes. Okay, these are the temptations of money. And let's build a foundation around the heart. The first temptation, if you're taking notes, is we are tempted to serve money. Serve money. We're tempted in one way or another to serve money. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, and if you have scripture today, we're going to hit Matthew 6 a couple of different times, and you may want to have that bookmarked in your Bible, but it says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. Not you should not, not you, it's not not a good idea to do that. He's just simply stating a fact. You simply cannot serve. That's impossible to serve God and money. Now, it's interesting of all the things Jesus could have said here. You cannot serve God and fill fill in the blank. He could have said you cannot serve God and power. You cannot serve God and popularity. You cannot serve God and yourself. You cannot serve God and sexual desires. He said all that's true, but you cannot serve both God and money. Why did he say that? Because for many people, money and things would be the number one competitor of their heart. And we cannot serve God and money. Now, most people would say, I don't serve money. I would never serve money. Well, we've all served money from time. I've served money from time to time. And and I would uh, argue that if you have ever bought something you didn't really need with money you actually really didn't have, you served money. If you've ever said, uh, this is my stash and someone else is going to have to give extra, I'm not going to return to God what's his and I'm not going to return the tithe. You have decided, I'm not going to serve God, I'm going to serve money. If you've ever said no to serving God because, you know, just, oh, we're trying to build this business right now and like building a business and serving God couldn't happen at the same time. No, like you have decided to serve uh, money. 
if you've ever compromised your, man, uh, your family, if you've ever neglected your family in pursuit of, of climbing the ladder, you've served money. So there's a temptation to serve money. We, we don't want to serve money. I mean, no one in here wants to serve money. We love God. We want to serve God. But this is the temptation, and, and we're deceived, and it, it, it sneaks its way in. The second temptation is we're tempted to love money. We're tempted to love money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Let's just pause there and recognize what a powerful statement that is. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We're tempted to love money. Now this is really important. Here's one thing we've got to understand as we build a foundation for this series. Money is neither good or bad. This is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. Because when you hear this in a movie or in literature or people say this, what do they say? They say money is the root of all evil. That's a very different statement. That's not what this says. This says for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So most people are going to say, well, money is, money is the problem. No, well, money in and of itself is neutral. You can use it for good. You can use it for evil. Just like a brick. You could use a brick to build a hospital or you could throw it through the windshield of a car. Bricks are neutral. It's what you do with it. Money is neutral. It's what you do with it. It's how you leverage it. It's the love of money. It's when you love money that births evil. So there are a lot of people who they don't have much money and they would, they would just say, well, um, naturally I don't love money. I don't have much money. And that's not, I mean, you cannot have much money but still be consumed with wanting more. You could be jealous of those who have more. You could be critical or envious of those who have more because you love money. A lot of people would say, well, who loves money? The rich love money. Obviously, the rich love money. And again, that's not always true because there's a lot of rich people who they're just rich because they're really good at what they do. They're good at what they do and they they leverage money. They have money. Money doesn't have them. They use money well, but they don't, they don't love money. Just because they have it doesn't mean they love it. So again, m- people misinterpret what money is supposed to do. Money is neutral. It's how you use it. It's your perspective on it that matters. People think, if I just had more money, that would solve all my problems. <laughs> and then they'll say, well, if I had more money, I wouldn't have to work so much. Have you ever heard that? Well, no, the reality is, generally speaking, when people get more money, they tend to work more because they get more responsibility. Higher paying jobs come with more stress, more things to manage, more responsibility, more things that ultimately fall to them. And the reality is, generally speaking, more money means more work. People say, well, if I had more money, I wouldn't be in debt. And I wish that were true, but the reality is if you have debt when you don't have much money, your trajectory is that you will have more debt the more money you have. We see it all the time. It's just like someone, when someone poor wins the lottery. I mean, have you ever seen those things of what happens to people who win the lottery? I've been watching this whole lottery thing this weekend, just, just praying that no one at Rockbrook wins the lottery. I'm serious. Because I've read in Proverbs what it says about quick money, and I've seen what happens in like three years. No friends, life is falling apart. Why? Because it's not like when you win the lottery, you also win wisdom and discernment. 
No, you, it's people win the lottery are people who are foolish enough to play it to begin with. And that just goes along with it. People say, well, when I get this accomplishment or build my business to this point, then I can serve and give to the church. But most people who do not serve in their church and do not give in the early days of their business, there's never a point where that changes. It's not like there's a a point in the business where, okay, now, now I can serve, now I can give. That's just, that's not how it works. I wish that were true. I wish it were true that more money meant more generosity. But the reality is, the richer you are, statistics show the less you give. Isn't that heartbreaking? Isn't that tragic? The reality is, money is not good, money's not bad. It's what you do with it. And it's the love of money is what's evil. So what does money do? Money it, I've been talking about this for a while now. Okay, what's, what's my point? Money is going to make you more of what you already are. Money is a magnifying glass, and it makes you more of what you already are. So if you're poor and a jerk, all more money is going to mean is that you're a rich jerk. That's all, that's, that's all that means. It's going to make you more of what you already are. And so often what God, what even God does is when God wants to bless someone with more money, who does he look to bless with? He says, who, who, what do I want to make more of? What do I want to magnify? And he'll give more money to that person. He'll magnify that thing. He'll magnify that person. If you don't have much money and you're generous, What's going to happen when you get more money? It's going to be magnified. You'll be generous. You're more generous. Money is a magnifier. Come on, church. Let's not wait around for more bricks to do what we know God's calling us to do. Let's not buy into this deception of this carrot on a stick of once I hit this point, then I'll start serving. Then I'll start doing what God's called me to do. Then I'll start giving. Then I'll start uh, following my faith more. Then I'll go all in. No, let's not wait around for more bricks. Let's not wait around for some neutral thing that we think's gonna come our way. Let's build it into our life now. We've got the Holy Spirit burning in our hearts now, leading us now. Let's follow it now. Today is the day. Today is the day. Let's be who God is calling us to be now and not wait around for something else. And let's become who God is calling us to be so when more does come, it can magnify someone who's following the spirit of God. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. So according to scripture, and I I have not wanted to say this, all all weekend I have not wanted to say this, so don't shoot the messenger here, okay? But according to scripture, how do you know if you love money? You're not satisfied with what you make now. You're not satisfied with what you have now. That's how you know you love money. Money. And if you're one who says, well, just a little bit more, then we could give. Just a little bit more, then we could do a budget, then we could serve. That's how you know you love money. Now, here's the reality. A lot of us, we're under the power of of money, and we don't even know it. No one in here wants to be under the power of money. No one wants to serve money. No one wants to love money. That's why you're in church today. You want to love God. You want to serve God. But sometimes what's happening is that we're rooting for the wrong team, and we don't even know it. (laughs) 
And the reality is most of us don't need more money. What we need is a godly perspective on our money. We need wisdom for our money. And my prayer is that those of you that are in bondage would call it what it is and say, I'm strapped, I'm in bondage, I've got a wrong perspective, I'm not following God here, I'm a servant to money, I don't want to be that way anymore, I don't want to be that way, I don't want to miss out on what God has for me, and, and, and I, don't, I don't want to miss where the Spirit is leading me because I don't have enough money now. And my hope is that you will just get so sick of being in bondage that you'll be willing to do something about it. And step out of normal and say, I don't want to be just another cookie cutter version of the world. I want to be different. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So here's, here's the big thought for today. Uh, if, if you're a Christian, we don't serve money. Who, who do we serve? We serve God. We serve God. We're not in bondage to money. We're not its slave. We serve God. So write this down. Money serves us as we serve God. We don't serve money. We serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. How does this perspective help us? Well, it's going to bring a lot of peace. It's going to bring a lot of peace. Because the fruit of this is going to result in in margin. It's going to result in freedom. It's going to result in direction. And it's going to bring a lot of life change. Because while you're serving God, you're able to say, God, where do you want me to be a blessing today? How can I manage what you've given me today? And you'll have the opportunity to sow into a lot of life change. And you'll hear... Hey, Rockbrook's doing a celebration offering and they're gonna make a difference in the kingdom with that money. How can I help? Money's serving me as I serve God. You, have you ever met someone with a godly perspective on money? They're weird. Aren't they? They're not normal. They're different. They're odd. They're a little off. I've got some names in my mind. Some of you are in this room right now. And it's like you pray with that person who has a godly perspective on money and it's like, Oh my goodness, I was over here praying for this little thing in this little bubble, and they're praying for stuff I never even thought about. And they're like going to God on behalf of you know, different people and just praying and just going all in, and they're so passionate about their faith, and they have, a, they have a godly perspective on money, therefore they have a godly perspective on their life and their friendships and their family and what's going on in the world. They just see the world differently because they've gotten this, this godly perspective on their money. And they say things, and it's like, that, is that right? Can that be right? Wow, that is right. That's different. And they'll like believe things on faith, and it's like, where did you get all that faith? Where did you get that's kind of the faith I want? And they're just a little off, and they're kind of giddy, and they're just a little bit more excited than the rest of us because they're not fighting, they're not worried, they're not arguing, they're not butting heads. They're able to embrace the life God has for them. Money serves us as we serve God. And you can get there. Now, this perspective on money, it's, it's going to take some passion. It's going to take some passion because, friend, the enemy is working double time to make sure you don't have a godly perspective on money. Because the enemy says, you know what? I, could, I couldn't keep them from God's grace. I couldn't keep them from being saved. I couldn't keep them from the cross. But if I could just deceive them about this area, maybe I could get them to believe that their God really isn't that good. Maybe I could get them to keep them from making a difference. Maybe I could distort their focus. Maybe I could distract them. And maybe I could keep them 
from being who God wants them. I couldn't keep them from God, but maybe I can keep them from who God wants them to be. So this is gonna take some passion. And a great place to start is with the word of God. You wanna battle an enemy? The best way to do it is with the word of God. Uh, So that's why this week, uh, if you go to our blog, the Rockbrook blog, um, we've put up a bunch of biblical proverbs on money and, and the wealth of wisdom and work ethic and things like that. I've actually split them into seven categories. So maybe just now, in between, between now and the next time we gather together for worship, you just want to take those a day at a time and get God's perspective on money. Let's see what God's values are on money. See what wisdom's values are on money and get you into the word. I mean, I just, it wouldn't be right to try and have a godly perspective on money without the word of, without the word of God. And so um, I encourage you to, to dive into that and, and, and go in those sections, maybe all at once, maybe uh, day by day. Because God, so the enemy has a vision for your finances, but God has a vision too. And the vision God has for you is peace. Peace. And there's gonna be a variety of feelings rising up in us right now. Some in this room have hope rising. They have the feeling of hope rising up. Like, maybe I could get out of bondage. Maybe I could be free to follow the Spirit. Some people are going to have the feeling of, you know what, I've neglected this area for a little while now, and this is, God knew this is exactly what I needed in this season to just help me get on track, and I'm on board. But some are going to have the feeling of, I don't, I don't want God's perspective on my money. And I don't want to do what God says to do with my money. And if that's the feeling rising up in you right now, I would just encourage you to follow that for a little bit. And ask yourself, why is that rising up in you? And it, it may just be because you have the wrong perspective of God could be that you've got the wrong God. And you don't need your perspective on money to change right now. You need your perspective on God to change. Because the God of the Bible wants to bring you peace, wants to bring you joy, wants to bring you faithfulness, wants to bring you self-control, wants to bring you happiness, wants to bless you. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel here where you walk out and, and, and where your 2004 Honda Civic was, now it's a 2018 Ford Raptor. That's not what I'm talking about here, okay? That would be great, but that's not. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about fulfillment. I'm talking about significance. And a connection with God that you would have never otherwise known. God does not want to harm you. God has good things for you. Again, Matthew chapter 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I would bookmark Matthew chapter 6 and read it to discover all the things that will be given to you as well, and discover every, every need met. Discover a worry-free life. Discover treasures in heaven. Discover a connection with God that maybe you didn't even know was possible. Because too many people are going to get to the end of their life and realize they've been rooting for the wrong team. 
And man, I just, it would have been so great if an announcer would have come on over and said, the Sporting KC is going to be in the black kits tonight. That would have been really helpful to me. And so I'm trying to be that announcer this morning of, hey, maybe we're rooting for the wrong thing here because you're going to wish someone would have told you that. And we don't have to do that. We don't have to go through life with the wrong perspective. We can go through life with what really matters if we're willing to adjust our perspective to align with our creator and the author of our life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray today that your spirit would minister hope and faith. And God, I know that for so many, this is a painful topic. We look over our mistakes and we feel horrible and we feel hopeless. God, I pray that as we seek you, uh, that you would build our faith of what's possible, that you would help us wisely manage what you've given to us for your glory. God, we want to be more faithful. We want to be more honoring. We don't want to love money. We don't want to serve money. But there are people in this room that getting a godly perspective is going to be impossible because you're not in a relationship with God and you don't know where you stand with God. And some of you right now, you feel a sense of conviction of your sins Maybe you say, I've done certain things that that would disqualify me for this or that. And the reality is what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's convicting you of a, a very real debt. A debt that none of us have the ability to repay. It's a sin debt. Because we're separated from God by our sin. But the gospel good news is that imagine if someone just stepped in and paid off all your financial debts. How amazing would that be? Well, God made something available to you infinitely greater than that. He sent his sinless son, Jesus, to die for the forgiveness of our sins, to die in our place, and to pay a price we couldn't pay, to be, to be raised from the dead so that our sin debt could be canceled. And there are those of you who recognize I'm not walking with God. I don't know where I stand with God. I'm not in a relationship with God. I need my sins forgiven. I need my my life, I need my mind transformed. I'm convicted today and I'm ready to give my life to him. And as you call out on the name of Jesus, he will hear your prayer and forgive your sins. Listen, he will forgive your sins. Anything and everything you've ever done and you can become new and many of you that that's why you're here today and you know it and this is this is your prayer today just pray this in your heart and mind God I turn to you I give you my life Jesus make me new I give my life to you it's in Jesus name I pray amen thanks for joining us today We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.